Station 1043 The Pan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. All right, final hour of the Dan Jacobs Show. We're getting some response here to the, uh, the conversation. It's a fair question. And I'm sensitive to this because I have, I have um, auditory issues. It's, and, and it's, this is, and I think it's common. You know, you get, although this happened for me starting in my 30s. I don't know. It's not that I can't hear. I can hear fine. Like I can hear, I don't have to turn the TV way up. I can hear any one thing. I can hear just fine. It's if there are two things happening at the same time, my some wires get crossed in my brain and I can't process it. I just eh, it goes I go crazy, right? Um, so I have a trouble hearing. So I, I to that extent I'm hard of hearing. So if I'm watching TV and then something else is happening in the background, or if I'm talking to you and something's happening in the background, it's hard for me to process it, and I, you know stuff goes haywire. So I'm a little sensitive to it. So this is, you know, we're talking about this conversation with what is the decorum? What is the etiquette if you're sitting there watching TV and somebody walks in and, you know, just starts on their phone or their laptop or their, well, they wouldn't do it with a laptop, but, you know, their, their device, whatever the device may be, their iPad, and it just cranks up a video, TikTok or whatever, and just starts cranking away full, you know, full volume. And then are you allowed to say, is it rude for you? Because to me, it's like, it's just like dragging in an entire another television set or bringing in a boombox while somebody's watching TV and pressing play. You know, and for me, it's, it's even worse because, you know, then I can't, I can't process. And I'm, you know, I'm getting that middle-aged man, white man, cranky disease, you know. So anyway, um, it's interesting. So uh, we have some feedback here. Somebody says, I think this guy is a lawyer, by the way. And and when I read the end of his text, I think you might come to the same conclusion. Um, but it, it, yesterday he texted in something I was talking about. He said, this sounds like a tort law 101 exercise. So I suspect this texture may just be a lawyer. Um, and based on how he ended this, te- uh, this text. But it's kind of funny. I have the same conversation with my wife. I wouldn't say something if I didn't think it was right, exclamation point. But I am quick to admit when I'm wrong. It just doesn't happen that often. (laughs) All right. Um, Dan, the Broncos better win after screwing the fans this summer. Put your damn AirPods in, and the millennials are the worst. Yeah. Um, so I I can't disagree with I you. Tell you Dan about those earpods, bud. Yeah, what's that? Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Put them in. Put them in. Absolutely. This one, um, people do that on planes. You should be legally bound to stop it, like the Good Samaritan law. God, I was so embarrassed one time. I'm sitting there on a plane. I got my earpods in, and I'm just sitting there, you know, listening to some music, chilling. And then finally, the lady next to me is like. Uh, you know, your AirPods aren't connected. You know that, right? <laughs> I'm like, ah, and I'm such a moron. Oh, God, I'm in it. You know, I'm like, thank you. I, I, I can't, you know, can I slink away now? Um, Sometimes those darn headphones and AirPods, like, they're connected even when you don't want them to be connected to your phone. Yeah. 
Does any, yeah, yeah. They play tricks on people. You're like, what is that sound? Where is it coming from? I hear a whole conversation coming out, and you don't know where it's coming from, but lo and behold, it's your ear pods. Yeah. Um, abs- let's see here. It's absolutely overstimulation if you get frustrated or agitated when it's happening, but, I mean, it's too much going on at one time. Oh, so you, yeah, you think... Um, it's just overstimulation. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's something with the ear. It's process. I don't know. I um, it's always oh, it says okay. You're not hard of hearing, Dan. You're easily overstimulated. It's probably a big part of the reason um, why you don't like being in crowds because it's um, overwhelming. Aside from the um, hot, uh, I don't know, hot, hot, sweaty names of all people. Thirty five thousand conversations going all at one time jumbled up. No, I, I can see why you would say that. Um, but uh, I, I think it's two separate issues. I, yeah, I think I do probably have some social anxiety, but no, it's um, I just noticed it. Um, I thought it was um, I thought it was uh, just because, you know, I've been working on radio wearing. But the weird thing is working in radio all these times, I've worked with all these people that they blast stuff at such a high volume. And I was like, guys, you're going to blow out your ears. And then and then when I was about maybe 34, 35, I started having this issue. And um, it's it's yeah, I really don't think it's an overstimulation issue. It's just it's just a weird thing that started happening. Um, and yeah, I've talked to doctors about it, whatever. And they're like, well, we're gonna test your hearing, and so I think I think there are some hearing aids that'll help with it. I'll go to it uh, in the due course of time. So hey, yeah, I do want to get to. Um, Oh, by the way, somebody says, sure wish Aaron Rodgers would just shut up for the rest of his life. One of the worst narcissists in history. What a tool. Tim and Morrison. Yeah, dude, talk about a guy that has just worn out his welcome for, like, with everybody. Like, does anybody like this dude? You know what, though? I bet you they like him in New York. I bet you they do. That's the only place they're going to like him, Dan. He got away with a, a third MVP that he was not supposed to get. Well, I mean, he played at a very high level that year. Like, he was playing out of his mind, except for the playoffs. I mean, Cooper Cup had a triple crown season, and uh, Jonathan Taylor rushed for an, an insane amount of yards in one season. Yeah. Well, but it's, yeah, you're so, like, to the point, New York, yeah, they'll like that act there, maybe. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised as if, if, if this isn't the last year we have to deal with with um, with his act, like you know, he'd probably run it out for one more year in New York, and then just hang it up. You know, get his get his bag full of money, and then um, just you know, say, all right, I'm done. Um, I don't know how well it's going to go with New York. I don't know. I mean, everybody thinks they have a pretty good roster. Maybe they do, and then maybe he helps them get to the playoffs. I don't think anybody thinks they're really in danger of winning a championship or anything like that, just because they have Aaron Rodgers. Um, he couldn't even win. A, he couldn't even beat. Was it Jimmy G and the Niners when he had the number one team in the you know the conference a couple of years back? So, uh, Dan, the playoffs implies that the Broncos will win four division games. So I guess be what four out of six. I guess. I mean, it's technically possible. I guess it all depends on. Um, on paper, I do not see this team beating the Chiefs. So, what does that mean? Well, it means anything can always happen. I do not buy 
the 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 games with the Chiefs were not really they they were close, but not in the sense. I mean, they were they were not really in danger of winning the Chiefs games. The, the Chiefs were in danger of playing down to the Broncos. I think, um, like for example, you know, I, I, the the one game where where Patrick Mahomes threw his interceptions, I, I I say he was guilty of going Madden. Right? They came out. They were smacking the Broncos around, and then he wanted to go Madden, right? Like, you know how you get in Madden? You're going for broke. You're like, yeah, I'm going I'm to run up the score on on a team. And you keep making stupid, and that's what it was. Mahomes is making stupid, bad decisions in that game. So they throw three picks. And what do you do in the end? In a good game, you know, in Madden, right? You're toying with your food, so to speak. And then you, all right, you win the game in the end. And the, and the, the Chiefs have been guilty of that. For a long time, and that's you know that's bitten them a couple times, a la against the Bengals a couple years back, right? Like, yep, what were they? Up? I, I think they had what three score lead against the Bengals at half, and then they toy with their food, and then they're done, right? So, um, I, I don't think those games are particularly close, and I you know, barring an injury to Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. Chiefs should win those games. Now, we'll see. Uh, I will say this, because I haven't had a chance to get to this yet. I did go to camp. I had a good experience at camp the other day. Everything was nice. Everybody was in a good mood. Um, had a chance to visit with Woody Page. He's Man, he's very nice to me. He always says he's a big fan of the show. He really enjoys listening to the show. Was able to catch up with him. Uh, man, had some. he shared some uh, really great stories about uh, I, I, for example, I love the story of Ed, Edgar Kaiser. It's fascinating to me, uh, kind of what happened to Edgar Kaiser, the, the, the guy that owned the team before um, uh, Pat Bolin, and he shared like a crazy story about uh, him and Edgar Kaiser. Had you know some other stories about the Phipps brothers and um, all that stuff. Just got to spend some good quality time with him, which I you know enjoyed. Um, but I'm going to say this again: I don't put too much stock. Into this, I mean, it was a, it was a, I don't know, three quarter speed practice on what was, you know, really the third day of camp. But I didn't see anything out of Russell Wilson that was, that was, um, showing me that much had changed with him. Like, like if anything, he to me he showed less confidence than last year. Um, he did struggle to get rid of the ball a little bit. He was uh, everything was very short, uh, really quick passes just to make a completion. When he was trying to go downfield, he just tucked the ball and run. Um, so they got some work to do. I mean, there was certainly nothing out there that I you know was not knocking my socks off. And I've been to a lot of training camps, and trust me, there are quarterbacks that when you go to camp, you're like, yep, nope that that guy's impressed. I was actually thinking about that. You know, I was like, okay. Various camps, like like for example, Jay Cutler. Even though he was raw, like for a while there, you're like, wow, this guy's going to be the man. Or um, even Drew Locke before he injured his hand. Like Drew Locke, you were like, it turned out to be wrong, but you're like, man, Drew Locke's something special. Like he was way better than what was it, Kevin Hogan? You're like, no, is he? You know, he's not going to unseat you know Joe Flacco right now. Um, I so far what I saw, and again, it was one day. I'm totally not overblowing it. I did not see not see a marked difference. Like actually, it was not as good as last year in camp from Russell Wilson. So I'm pumping my brakes a little bit. I will be interested to see games. I'm looking forward to see more and really 
they're going to let him play in preseason. That'll tell us more. And we got to see him, you know, run it, run it back in games. But it was not, not markedly different. I thought it was funny when you're going to run out and say, oh, man, the worst coaching job in history. We're doing the opposite. To me, it wasn't the opposite. It was very, very similar. Um, running three quarters, not, you know, special teams, um, stuff like, I, I don't know, man. So, um, you will be relying on Russell Wilson to go revert back to a Russell Wilson that his old coach says, you know, we lost three or four years ago. So we will have to wait and see how that goes. You know, it was interesting. Um, the comments about, um, uh, Frank Clark had about, you know, the, the rivalries and this and that, um, with, uh, the chiefs and not being a rivalry. I thought that was great to finish, you know, after practice yesterday. So we had a chance to visit with our friend from Kansas city a couple of hours ago. For those of you that missed it, we want to bring that conversation back to you. And we're going to do that next. Seren Petro from Kansas city coming up next. from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Band. All right. Momentarily, we will have Soren Petro. You'll like this text, actually. I believe he's Greek. I mean, that sounds like a very Greek name. This one says... uh, one of my favorite local steakhouses is Steakhouse 10. Have you been there? That's from Chris in Denver. And I said, well, I have not. I actually don't get out to a lot of steakhouses. And he says, it's run by a Greek family. Run by a Greek family. Really good. Uh, so, Soren Petro, are you Greek? Uh, yeah, I mean, supposedly there's like some Greek going across the Hungarian border. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're all some kind of mud, aren't we? Yes, exactly. I don't even know what I am anymore. Um, oh, I tell you what happened. First segment, I got distracted by a texture. Now, I know that never has, that's never happened to you, has it? No. Yeah. Consummate pro here. Yes. He texted in. He's like, Dan, <laughs> you got to talk Broncos. You're, you're off topic. You know, somebody, you know, cause, um, you know, I used to own the barbecue company after going to law school in, Can- you know, Latha, you know, or while I went, you know, in, yeah. in Kansas. Yeah. You know. And, um, and so somebody was asking me how to prepare a tomahawk steak, and he says, Dan, you have to talk Broncos. And so I had to, you know, lecture this person a little bit, explain to them, you know, how we do business here on the show. And so I didn't get to uh, something I, I wanted to uh, talk about for a segment, so I, but I thought, well, let me ask uh, Sir and Petro about this. He's a, he's a man of the world. He's a lot older and a lot wiser than me. Uh, I guess I'll ask you this, uh, Mr. Petro. Now, you're on the Facebook, are you not? The, the social, the, I, I I have a Facebook page, um, mostly like I think I do some work stuff with it, right? But uh, yeah, I'm I'm on there. I guess technically yes. So you see the 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 Twitter the the you know the doorbell cams. You know people post their ring. You know and yeah. videos. So we get, we have our neighborhood page, and a lady posts this thing, and it's a, it's a dog. You know people a lady walking her dog, and so my neighbor says. Listen, we have way too much open space around here to uh, have anybody going to, you know, the bathroom in my yard. And so I thought, well, okay, here's what happened. You know, somebody let their dog poo in the yard and left it, and that's a big no-no, and I'm against that, right? 
Um, right. But that's not what happened. Like, you're watching the video, and this dog is walking by on a leash, and maybe a second or two, it, it, it just lifts its leg momentarily and, and goes along, right? Like, I'm like, okay, uh, I can see everybody's going to have a lot of fun with this. But I got to be honest, my first inclination was just to go ahead and help this lady out and to put a for sale sign in her yard for her. Would that have been the right thing to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I think it's creative. I think it's witty, and I think it makes the point. Yes, I think that's exactly where you go. For sale sign works. Yeah, yeah. I got to be honest. Um, only because I am uh, a presiding municipal judge, that probably saves because I can't post things and I you know can't actually put us for it saves right. me probably a lot of heartache in the long run because I have to, <laughs> I have, to have some decorum. You're a man of the community, right? Yeah. There, there are certain standards. Well, yeah, you know, there's a, a pillar there's in the a, community like yourself. There's a judicial code I actually have to follow on certain things, so I'm actually have to you know re- restrain myself. Otherwise, I'm like, o- only 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 slightly stricter than the uh, the code that comes with being a, a sports talk show host. Oh yeah, yeah, just barely. Um, by the way, I was taking a look because every once in a while you and I um, talk about the Royals. Although I am surprised on this, so the Rockies having one of their worst seasons ever. Um, are just killing it attendance wise, man. Like they are, they just overtook the Red Sox again in attendance. Um, but I did look at the Royals. I know they're not doing that well. But when I live there, um, and you, know, I've talked to you about this. Like I was surprised the first time I listened to your show, you were dissecting like the Johnny Damon draft. Like I don't know how many years later. Like you guys are passionate about the Royals out there, but like, are you guys pro? Because Right now, we're having this conversation about, like, people are finally trying to say, dude, you can't support this bad product. we got to protest, even though I don't think that's going to work now because um, the, the the government gave the, the Rockies this windfall of um, – they gave them basically – I don't know if you're aware of this, Saran, but they gave them, them an entire city block right next to the stadium, which they've now developed. The, the owners of the Rockies have developed, mm-hmm. and now they're independently wealthy. So I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to boycott them out of anything. Um but so that that ship has sailed. But that's the conversation we're having here. Is that what's going on in Kansas City? Because I've they are way low in attendance. Yes. Yeah, so you know they the Royals still get very good television ratings, but no, nobody will go out to the ballpark. And we have new ownership that took over. I think in twenty nineteen. Uh, obviously, that was a tough time to take over. You start with a global pandemic, and then you uh, follow that up with a labor stoppage that uh, you know cost us spring training and and everything that was going on there. Um, you know, and changing, reshuffling the minor league system and everything. It, it's been a tough go for John Sherman and his group, uh, certainly to, to start as a as an owner and he was previously a minority owner of the, of the Cleveland Guardians uh, back in the day so he had been around that's pretty much how you got you, you have to you know put your training wheels on as a minority owner in the league first before they'll let you own uh, it let you into the club as a full-fledged uh, member but you know here what's going on is the, the lease is up in 2031 at the Sports complex. So we've got both teams uh, that are going to need new homes or are going to need something done. The Chiefs have talked about renovating Arrowhead again. Uh, they've talked about building new at that site or looking at a new site. The Royals uh, came, you know, came out first. So I think largely came out first, and the Chiefs are are being a good partner to them by letting them go first because I think everyone knows whatever the Chiefs ask for, it's going to be a pretty easy give, right? They've got Patrick Mahomes, they're winning championships. That's going to be a popular vote. Yes, let's give the Chiefs whatever they want. The Royals are going to be a tougher. Set- and 
so they've been on it now for about two, three years discussing where they're going to go. And they've made it clear that they're going to leave. And they want exactly that. It's what I've told people here in town. They want a an entire, you know, um, area where they're going to have what they call a ballpark district because it can't be a ballpark village because that's what they have in St. Louis. And nothing can be called the same thing as what it is oh, in no, St. Louis. No, no, no. But they want a, a ballpark district. And they're talking about a price tag of $2 billion, with which I, I love this part. One billion uh, towards the district. That would be buildings and you know all the you know supposedly mixed use uh, living and mm-hmm. and shops and what have you. That billion would be privately funded. The stadium would be another billion, and that would be that would be what do they how do they put it largely or they made it sound like most of that would be privately funded as well. I'll call it four to six hundred million. They're going to ask publicly, to which I said I don't care where you put it. If the cost is two billion dollars, and the and the the municipalities are going to give you five hundred million, you you can push the numbers into whatever column you want in the spreadsheet. The bottom line is you're giving five hundred million dollars for a stadium and double basically to to make you a real estate mogul in town. So yes, this is the cost of doing business. Certainly, it's the cost of doing business in small markets, right? Maybe California can tell them no, as the Giants were privately funded completely when they built their stadium. The A's didn't get it, but California still said no. But in a state like, you know, Missouri, you're going to have to pay and pay a lot if you want to keep it. The, the, The problem here is the lease has been tied dollar for dollar, right? So any dollar that Chiefs got, the Royals had to get and vice versa. When in reality, the, the Chiefs are going to ask for more like the Tennessee Titans. And the going rate in the NFL is $1.5 billion down in Tennessee is public and $500 million is private. And that's what's coming on the back end of whatever they do with the Royals. Wouldn't it make – well, I understand – and I'm just going off the top of my head here. Although I know – it's, it seems like I know that the owners of separate ownerships would all like to capitalize and have their own districts, but I don't know. Having lived there, I don't know that um, that that would be supported. Um, you know, the, the the community would retail districts and all that would be. You know, there's enough financial wherewithal that both the Chiefs and the Royals could have their own. Seems like it would make sense for them to go in together, have separate stadiums, um, but kind of go in together on the village and see if they can split that pie. Are they talking about that? Well, no, they're not. And I think this will be the separation. I don't think this lease will, uh, you know, they've been tied together since 1960, whatever, what, 68, 69, whatever they passed this, 72, I think was when uh, the baseball stadium opened, the football stadium the next year. You know, it, it, it can't work because baseball stadiums are significantly cheaper than football stadiums. I mean, hanging concrete in the air is what costs the money, and football stadiums go all the way around, obviously. Baseball stadiums are only, you know, a third uh, of it that's actually up in the air as they dig down more and want more lower-level seats. So it's it's a, a vastly different expenditure that goes into it. And, you know, right now there's a fight between going downtown. And this is the thing is back in 2005 or six when they did their renovations on Kaufman and Arrowhead, uh, there was a large portion of the population that wanted downtown baseball. They were the only team that had, uh, you know, a strong portion of their fan base that were ready to, to go downtown and would pay for downtown, and they didn't do it. Uh, it was said the Glass family was worried about how they would recoup the parking, uh, what they would make parking because there wouldn't be just one parking lot that you had to go through and pay them and so they pushed for renovations that's ultimately what happened but there's always been a a strong part of the community that's been to different ballparks that are downtown be it denver or cleveland or st louis and seen what that is and they aspire to have that the problem is that we're almost like is that the 
end of the lifespan because now Atlanta and Milwaukee, they've been built back out in the suburbs and are having great success there. So you almost wonder, did Kansas City spin its wheels and miss the opportunity to take advantage of that? The downtown in Kansas City has been growing and people, you know, more and more people have been going back to live down there, which is something that, you know, never happened 25 years ago. And now there's a a lot of people that are moving back there, a lot of uh, condos and apartments that are uh, going up downtown. And so they feel like now would be the time to go do that. The problem is uh, Kansas City, Missouri is not giving them everything they want. And North Kansas City, which is right across the river, uh, which can see downtown but is not in downtown, has jumped in the mix. So now there's, you know, there's always been this perception that the Royals were going to go downtown with the next building. That's what John Sherman wanted. Part of his ownership group owns some of the land down there. It was thought that that's going to be what it was, but now there's uh, you know a fight as to where it's going to end up being because Kansas City, Missouri is not just uh, giving a blank check uh, to, uh, to the Royals. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Um, let me ask you about Frank Clark. Uh, we're just getting to know him out here. I think we're going to love him from a media standpoint. Did you love him when he was out there? Absolutely. One of my favorite uh, guys to interview. I really wish, you know, and, and look, the one thing I can say, everybody will always have a positive, uh, not, not on all his off the field, obviously having weapons charges in Los Angeles, two of them uh, being suspended to start last year. I, I don't think you can overlook that and just breeze past it. Hopefully he has gotten past that, uh, and, and, you know, that won't be a problem moving forward. But Frank Clark, the quote, Frank Clark, the guy, uh, not going to find uh, any better. I mean, uh, talking to him, he was absolutely absolutely outstanding. He gives you thoughtful answers. Uh, he gives you unique answers. You're getting his real personality. It's not a prepackaged, you know, he, he, coach speak that's coming at you. So Frank Clark in the media, absolutely the best. Uh, I remember him, Todd Lebo down at the uh, Super Bowl back in 2019. They, they started to shut off all the media, you know, and they got everybody on their little podiums and everything. And Todd was asking him, and he covers the Chiefs for us, was asking him questions, and they tried to shut Todd down. And Frank said, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my dog here. This is my dog. What do you got? What do you got? And let Todd, you know, ask like two or three more questions before he left. I mean, little things. It wasn't that big a deal. But just he is a thoughtful guy. He is a smart guy. His answers are genuine. His production in the regular season is not amazing, but he is the Chiefs' all-time sack leader in the postseason. Now, part of that's the opportunity to play on good teams, but he produces. Uh, in the postseason, and if there's a guy that I would root for uh, for against anybody but the Chiefs, uh, and certainly probably wearing anything but Broncos colors, <laughs> but uh, I will still root for Frank Clark because uh, yeah, I think he is a, a guy that uh, the town will, will really enjoy having. All right, funny you should say that the the comment about uh, anything but Broncos colors, so to speak, because that would indicate. There's a little bit of a rivalry there, right? Oh, like uh, you don't, as a, a case, you know, Kansas Cityan, maybe you don't like the Broncos so much, and then maybe Broncos fans don't like the Chiefs. But when asked about, he was asked to comment about the Broncos Chiefs rivalry yesterday. Frank Clark said, "Dude, there's no rivalry. They've won 15 in a row. Like it's not competitive." Um, I thought it was good. I thought I liked the comment, but he's probably true, right? Isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think especially if you're a younger football fan, if you're, you know, lower 20s, then for the most part, your cognitive memory of this is the Chiefs dominating. If you're old, which I think you started this conversation out by pointing out that I'm old, uh, you've been around and you remember when Peyton Manning 
and the Broncos were dominating the Kansas City Chiefs. I went there and watched Brody Croyle start against the Denver Broncos and just get waxed uh, there at, uh, at, at what is it, whatever it was called, mile high for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, so I listen, it, it comes and goes. It's cyclical early on when these two teams were in the AFL. The Chiefs dominated, but it's gone back and forth right now. The Chiefs have had the upper hand. They've had the better quarterback. They've had the better coach. Uh, the coaching got better. Uh, we'll see if the coaching makes the quarterback better. I think there is a feeling here. Uh, Adam Teicher, who covers the uh, Chiefs for ESPN, and I were talking on Friday, and, and he said, I think this is the year that the Broncos finally end that streak. And so, uh, listen, they've had some close calls. Both games last year were closer than they should have been based upon what the records were. Uh, it, is a, it is a rivalry from that standpoint. Everyone in your division is a rivalry. But, yes, Chiefs fans are quite happy dominating it and, uh, and, and adding up that win streak. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw the comments, but I'll I'll let you comment if you you know I'll kind of re, re, restate them. But Sean Payton came out and said, told Jarrett Bell, um, one, I expect to make the playoffs. So so presumably that might include some wins a win or two over the Chiefs. And then he really threw um, you know, the GM and the president of the team, his own team, under the bus, mm-hmm. and uh, Coach Hackett under the bus. Did you hear those comments? And what do you think? Oh, I did, um, and you know, I it's I guess it's the Bill Parcells way. I think guys like Sean Payton and Todd Haley, uh, you who are, are Bill Parcells disciples, you know, take that that braggadocious and and outlandish uh, kind of approach and confident approach, and I think it works to a degree with their players. But I think they will, you know, sometimes forget when to turn it off uh, when it comes to other teams. I mean, you know, to me, the worst part was when he tried to apologize and didn't apologize. Right. Uh, he basically had an apology to his players for creating a distraction, but made no apologies to Nathaniel Hackett. Now, listen, I can't remember if it was you, Dan, or, or somebody else in Denver. Um, I was talking to right after the first game, and I said, well, Nathaniel Hackett's done, right? You have to fire him. You did and everybody, that. they couldn't believe that I would say that. I'm like, listen, if an admiral leaves San Diego with a fleet and he turns his battleship and, and fires into his aircraft carrier and sinks his aircraft carrier, you don't get another fleet to take out. Like, that's baseline incompetence. And so he's not wrong. Everything he said was true. So to me, either you're going to be the guy that creates the distractions for the other teams by, you know, taking shots and doing that, or, or you're going to be the guy that plays it close to the vest. You don't get to do both. You don't get to take the shots and then try to walk it back. And he didn't even do a good job of walking it back. So, look, Sean Payton can coach. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I've had a couple of conversations with him at the American Century Championships in, in Lake Tahoe when he was the Saints coach. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, but, but now he's got to back it up. I mean, you don't, you don't get to walk back away from those things. Uh, and I, I think it would have been better if you're going to say it than own it. Uh, then, then this non-apology that you're going to, I guess, get to when you think the time is right. I, I thought that was that was the most pathetic part of the equation. <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, he's also fascinating because he's he likes to kind of pop off to the media, but he's also very paranoid of the media. Like he's he's has all these policies. Like, all right, well, I have to let you in at certain times, um, but you're not allowed to talk about anything you see unless you know. And he, oh, he's he's he's. I don't know, he's restricted where the media can go now. It's, it's very, very weird and paranoid, but he also seems to like to talk to the media. I don't know. It's, it's very odd, uh, Seren. Yeah, and, and, and again, that, that fits with kind of how Todd Haley was, and I think that's kind of a Bill Parcells thing. I mean, I think that's the mentor of those guys and, and, and what they want to do. Andy Reid is, is quite paranoid as well. You know, it's, as you sit in practice, like, okay, cameras are up. 
we've got 10 minutes and they can film and all right, cameras are down. All right, cameras are up. We got five minutes, you know, cameras are down. They have all these things that, you know, all these different rules at training camp of when uh, people can be filming. Never mind the fact that fans are all around watching and any team that wanted to could simply have a guy sitting in the stands with an iPhone recording everything. Um, but they have all these rules for the media. So it's somewhat a power trip. Um, it, it's somewhat, I think, built up from scars that coaches have from, from being ridiculed and sometimes rightfully so from mistakes that they made in the past, sometimes unjustly. Uh, it's a little game that we play, and I, I think Sean Payton probably plays it a little more than most. All right, last thing for you. Something fun uh, we've enjoyed in the offseason. I think it was a nice thing just to kind of you know, get us through that last little stretch before um, training camps opened. The quarterbacks documentary. I know you must have talked about it a lot with um, your QB1 being on there. What was with your reaction with Patrick Mahomes and, and Brittany Mahomes and all that stuff? Yeah, you know, I thought, uh, number one, I thought it was quite entertaining. Uh, you know, I have, I have two daughters, and, and for my, and my wife uh, is not a sports fan, and they were uh, interested in it, and we sat down and watched each episode. Now they're 13 and 16. There's some colorful language, uh, you know, that's, that's in there. So if you haven't watched it and you've got a six-year-old, I wouldn't sit down. Some people have complained about that. Pat's uh, got, got a couple of uh, choice words from time to time that's in there. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was – I thought the first couple of shows it looked like – one, his family is always a uh, lightning rod, not so much in town where nobody wants to do anything to ever tread negatively towards the superstar quarterback. But every time I go on someplace else, I usually get asked about his family, whether it's his wife or his brother. Uh, and, and I thought they did one. His brother's noticeably, he's in there, but he's never never says anything, right? You see him, but you don't hear anything from him. Uh, and then I thought the first couple episodes uh, were, were really good for, for uh, Brittany, because it really showed her to be truly a mom and a wife and, and that she's more than just somebody who gets too excited, I think, on, on Instagram and social media and that kind of thing. As it went on, you know, you got to see their life a little bit more and, and see how she acted. And she had a couple of choice words that, you know, I, I kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. But, you know, I, I thought it was good to kind of see how hard he works. That's one of the things that I think comes with it. He's certainly he's an amazingly gifted and talented player, but to the workouts that he does to strengthen his core, to strengthen his you know his ability to, to rotate and throw the football the way he does, I, I thought was was very interesting for me. And then just how competitive he is on the field. I mean, we've always felt like. You know, he was up there. I think most of Kansas City would have told you he's the most competitive player in professional sports since Michael Jordan. I think Kansas City at least came away saying he's as competitive or more competitive uh, than Michael Jordan. When you see him go nose-to-nose with Max Crosby and and the way he barks at guys. So uh, I found it wildly entertaining. I thought Kirk Cousins, seeing what he's all about, was entertaining. Marcus Mariota's not in there much. But uh, I I thought Mahomes and Cousins were quite entertaining. And, yes, in Kansas City, if you haven't seen all eight episodes by now, you'll be driven out of town and, and left uh, on, you know, the outskirts of I-70. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Seren Petro uh, from WHB in Kansas City. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. You're the man. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, we'll talk to uh, you. want to react to Seren Petro from the Is this a rivalry? Do the Broncos have a rival? I was I was asking that yesterday. If the Chiefs aren't your rival, uh, if you have to be competitive, given the state of the Broncos, do they even have a rival anymore? Let's talk about it coming up next. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station. 104.3, the fan. 
All right, we've got about uh, five minutes left. And I did, we have the comments now. Um, Aaron Rodgers responding. I believe it was the NFL Network uh, with James Palmer. Um, he was asked about um, Sean Payton's comments about Coach Hackett. Obviously, he loves Coach Hackett. So uh, we have the comments ready to go there, Sean. Yeah, let's just listen to him. He's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. There we go. Off the top rope. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers getting in the mix. Listen, I, I just got to be honest with you, uh, and I don't care for Aaron Rodgers. I got zero problems with uh, what he just said there. Um, it's tit for tat. He, would, he probably would have been better off just taking the high road. But, I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to sit around here and cry about what Aaron Rodgers said now when Sean Payton is, is, did what he did? We, we have no room to talk about Aaron Rodgers saying that. And, and, and Aaron Rodgers has every right to say it. Great. Get your popcorn ready. Two of the worst teams in the league traditionally now are going to go at it in week five. Give us something to, you know, talk about. Because, you know, hopefully both of them are trending up. I mean, the Jets, people like the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers because the thing was the Jets are supposed to have a talented roster. And now they, with Aaron Rodgers, they'll be good to go. But, yeah, I mean, the the, the comments from Aaron Rodgers are fair. The comments from... Sean Payton probably, I guess, are fair. I mean, they are at least they have a whole lot of truth to them. I mean, is it outside the norm for Sean Payton to be running his mouth like that? No, of course not. I, I mean, you just don't hear, especially with his level of experience, an NFL head coach talking like that. You just don't. I mean, that's something like you might hear, you know, Mike, like Mike Gundy in college lose his mind and say something like that. Maybe a college coach gets hacked off and says something like that, but just totally unsolicited. And I think what Aaron Rodgers was kind of getting at is like, Coach Hackett is one of the nicest people in the world. Was he in over his head? Yes. But you know what? That's not his fault. That's George Payton's fault. George Payton hired a guy that had no earthly business being an NFL head coach. So I I, I was shocked that Sean Payton made the comments. I love, for us, hey, it's, it's great to talk about. It's spicy, saucy, all that stuff. Great. But I can't kill Aaron Rodgers for coming out and saying, fine, I'll come back off the top rope on you. I'll put you in the suplex. 
And I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I don't like him at all. I don't like his, um, somebody says, you have audio of what he said. Yeah, we just played it. You just missed it. We just played the whole thing. Or almost the whole thing. And it's fair. What he said was fair. Now, he was a little bit, you know, a little, you know, a little bit below the belt saying, you know, Sean Payton's insecure. That's his own psychology thing. You know, and by the way, but he's an expert, right? He does the darkness retreats. He's, he's into all that kind of stuff, Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, now, hey, if Aaron Rodgers, they wanna, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going for another, uh, how many weeks we got? 12 weeks? Nine weeks? Ten weeks until um, they they match up in the regular season. Let's go. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I think Sean Payton might, in the end might regret saying this because I don't think it's just going to roll over and die. Hey, Cecil Lammy was saying, "Hey, man, get used to it because this is kind of a pattern." Sean now Sean Payton will go on the down low for another two or three weeks, and then he'll pipe up about something else. Now, all right. Hey, thanks everybody. Thanks Sean. Thanks Sydney. Doing a great job behind the glass. We will see you all next week for The Dan Jacobs Show. He doesn't mean no harm. But he doesn't mind telling you he's right. You are wrong. He's reading your checks. He's taking your calls. It's The Dan Jacobs Show and he'll decide what the law will allow. Making your day the only way he knows how by giving you the facts, cutting through the BS now. He's Judge Dan Jay, he doesn't mean no harm, but he doesn't mind telling you he's right.